Welcome to Season 4 of the Next Leadership Academy podcast, hosted by Chad Jones and Cody Phillips. For those of you who are first-time listeners, the Next Academy was specifically designed for union construction executives and the unique challenges they face. Next is a year-long industry-focused program created for highly motivated, like-minded professionals, built to instill confidence and prepare leaders for what's happening now and what's coming next. Next is built on four foundational concentrations, enabling leadership, building vibrant organizations, innovation and disruption, and lastly, negotiating for a better future. Over 50 classes with an empirically-based curriculum leveraging modern technology to deliver the most user-friendly experience for each and every participant. The overarching goal of Next is to help, to help contractors become more sustainable and profitable long into the future. The feedback from our participants has been overwhelmingly positive, and I encourage you to consider walking alongside your peers on this leadership journey. Please visit our website at www.nextleadershipacademy.org to learn more. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let me have your attention for a moment. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Oh, have I got your attention now? Have I got your attention now? What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Next Leadership Academy podcast. I'm Cody Phillips. I'm joined by my trusty co-host, Chad Jones. As you've grown accustomed to, we will be discussing a leadership book that we feel can hopefully make a significant impact on your life on both the personal and professional level. But today's episode is extra special as we have the author here today with us. And I personally am so pumped about this opportunity. Uh, We are joined today by Dr. Kevin Elko. What's up, my man? Hey, Cody. Good to see you guys again. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to have you today uh, to share some of your insights from your new book, Believing is Seeing, right here. Yeah. Uh, 10 Steps to a Mindset that Will Transform Your Direction and Your Life. And For those of you listening out there who may not be familiar with this remarkable man, uh, Dr. Elko is a nationally renowned sports psychologist, uh, performance and career enhancing consultant, author and motivational speaker. Uh, Dr. Elko received his bachelor's degree in biology education and coaching from Cal University of Pennsylvania. He then went on to West Virginia University, go Mountaineers, where he received two masters and a doctorate and was later inducted into the West Virginia University Hall of Fame. Went on from there to intern at the United States Olympic Committee in Colorado Springs. And in sports, he's had a magical career. He has consulted with various successful NFL teams, including the Pittsburgh Steelers, our home team, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, Miami Dolphins, uh, New Orleans Saints, to name a few. In college sports, he's had an incredible impact. Uh, He's worked with seven BCS National Championship football teams, including the University of Miami, LSU, Florida State, and the University of Alabama. 
In the business world, Dr. Elko continues to help. He focuses on helping organizations in the areas of leadership, goal setting, and various other motivational topics. His corporate clients, I'm sure many of you listeners have heard of out there, include ING, Tyson Foods, Abbott Labs, LPL Financial, The Hartford, Genworth, Pioneer Investments, Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, Sun Life, just to mention a few. He is the author of seven books and a plethora of online audio and video resources. It's an honor and privilege to have him here today on our podcast. You know, many years ago, you probably don't know this, Dr. Elko, but many years ago, Chad and I got our hands somehow on a CD of Vision for Victory. And we have been fans ever since that day. And you were also our first ever keynote speaker for our industry evening and keynote event that we started back in 2015. So we've admired your career from afar. And honestly, man, you should be so proud of the positive impact that you've made on so many people in this world. You're kind. Thanks, Cody. You guys have done your thing and been a blessing and helping so many people. So thanks for the kind of things you said about me. I don't know if they're all true, but I like hearing them. <laughs> uh, thanks for staying for all the wonderful things you're saying. You're kind. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you for being our guest on season four, episode two of the Next Leadership Academy podcast. So where to begin, right? Uh, first, again, this book is awesome. Um, thank you. I love all of the stories throughout, and it got me thinking, you know, stories convey uh, culture, history, values uh, that really unite people. And when it comes to our countries, our communities, um, our families, we understand intuitively that the stories we hold in common are an important part of the ties that bind. And stories really help to solidify relationships in a way that, honestly, factual statements that are encapsulated in bullet points or numbers often don't. And I absolutely love how you weaved so many stories throughout the fabric of this book. So let's start with a story. You do an awesome job in the first chapter of explaining the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. I absolutely love that concept. So for the listeners, can you explain that, that concept, and then touch on the story of Frank Zemanski, who's a former offensive lineman for Notre Dame that really, I think, drives home the power of words and then also of, of speaking it into existence. Cody, when you talk about uh, thermometer versus thermostat, during this last year, this was in the Journal of the American Medical Association, um, 70% of people in the United States of America said, lowest I've ever been. This was in the Journal of the American Psychological Association, was collectively as a country, this is the most upset we've been in 50 years. And the reason is we're just reflecting temperature. We're just saying this is the mood. We're reflecting it out. Their thermometer, whatever it's set, the temperature is, that's what they shine out. That's not leadership. And I've even been with some football teams I work with, and I'll watch people there. They just go around collecting information and moving around the building, and they think they're doing something effectively. You know, hey, Chad, are you happy? Hey, Cody, are you happy? And then they move it. I don't see how that's leadership, and it's definitely not being happy. 
When I have an external locus of control, I'm letting the world set the temperature. When I'm a thermostat, like I got I got up this morning, went to exercise, and it was a little cold down there. So I turned the thermostat up a little bit. It warmed. The thermostat does not go around and reflect temperature. It sets it. And as a leader, we have to set it. What are we about? What are we going to do? And what we had a simple phrase we used to Alabama this year. Match me. I'm going to come out and be intense. Match me. I'm going to come out and talk positive. Match me. I'm going to come out right now, and if I make a mistake, I'm going to learn from it and move on. Match me. So the thermostat sets temperature. And as leaders, we set temperature. With the people listening to this podcast, in your homes, on the job, set it. Don't go around and let somebody else set it. You just reflect it. And the big point about this, you guys got me fired up now. The big <laughs> point about thermostat is this. Ready? Thermometer is a feeling. I talk about this every time I speak. Thermometer is a feeling. Thermostat's a choice. It's all a choice. And you choose it. And so what you're saying is, I'm just not going to reflect how I feel. I'm going to choose happy. I'm going to choose a smile. I'm going to choose to have vision. And Frank Szymanski. I want to choose to have faith. Not a born winner. Not a born loser. A born chooser. And so what Frank Szymanski did, he had to testify in a civil suit. Played for Notre Dame. And in testifying of a civil suit, he's on the stand. Someone says, the judge says, how good are you? He says, don't ask me that, judge. He says, how good are you? He said, I'm the best offensive lineman who has ever played at Notre Dame. So the next day, he's back on campus, and his coach says, Frank Leahy, did you really say you're the best offensive lineman who's ever played at Notre Dame? He said, I did, coach. He said, why did you say that? He said, I didn't want to, but I was under oath. <laughs> and if you look at greatness... People have to choose to believe. That doesn't mean that you don't believe in someone else, but you have to believe that there's a mission for your life. You have to believe there's a plan for your life. and You have to believe that life's stacked in your favor. Nothing great happens without faith. And that's why I wrote the book, because I think that we're losing our faith. We're, we're losing. And faith is I choose to believe. Cody, watch this. A car falls on a child in Tallahassee. This woman's in the yard and she's 77. Car's ready to squeeze the life out of this little girl. This woman goes and picks up the car. That blows me away. I have a gym in my house. I maxed out at 90 pounds yesterday. But a 77-year-old woman picks up the car. What was she thinking? She had that faith she could do it. She would have tried it. And so it all comes down. Everything comes down to me saying, look, it's not a feeling. It's a choice. Be a thermostat, set the temperature, and have one of faith. We could do something amazing here. We could do something unbelievable. Let me tell you what leadership is. It's just two words. Match me. Just match me. And I don't think we really have an understanding of what the United States offers. I live here in Nevillewood. You know where Nevillewood is. You know, I'm like you guys. I'm from West Virginia. And it's fancy up here. I try to put a used wash machine on my front porch just to tell them who I am, you know, just to represent. But I'm sitting up here for golf outing. I don't golf. They said, come up. They said, these three guys, are they're billionaires. I said, they're what? They're billionaires. I'm Nebby. So I go over to them. I'm going, 
you guys are billionaires. We're not from this country. And they didn't know each other. I go, tell me how you're billionaires. We didn't come here for a job. We came here for opportunity. Y'all don't even know the opportunity you have here. We do. We have faith. We had faith we got. It came without a penny in our pocket. And I was reading where this guy was washing dishes, came from Pakistan to feed his family. An NFL game was on. He goes, he says, everybody, what's that? It's an NFL football game. He said, I'm going to own one of those teams one day. They laughed at him. Not laughing now. He owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. So you got to come. First of all, you got to come with, I'm going to set temperature. You have to have faith that you can do it. Match me. Match my faith. Match my energy. You know, attitudes are contagious. Make sure yours is worth catching. You threw out the uh, the match me, and I love that. I know, obviously, it's a term you guys threw around at the University of Alabama. And for those listeners that can't see Dr. Elko right now, I can see him on my Zoom, and he has a ring about the size of my car, national championship ring from Alabama. <laughs> see it clear as day. Uh, but the match me, I want to talk about that for a minute because you said, you know, Leadership boils down to two words, matchman. I love that because I think the struggle there is the uncomfortableness when you set that tone and you look around and you realize, oh, wow, am I the odd one? It seems like nobody wants to match me. They want to pull me back this way. But recognizing that maybe that's the moment of leadership and the folks that don't want to match you maybe shouldn't be as close. That leads me kind of into my next question, which is something I've struggled with. And so this is question for our listeners, but I mean, it's a personal question for me to you. Over your career, you've worked with highly motivated athletes and business professionals, competitive to the core. What would your advice be on balancing anger and motivation, forgiving, but not forgetting? As some people are driven by these events, use the past as fuel, fully recognizing the dangers of this question. I'm trying to understand and be better at reconciliation without losing the chipper edge that sometimes drives us further to never quit. You know, there's a phrase, there's a woman named Meg Jay, and she wrote a book called Supernormals. And um, it's not really events. It's really, it's not really even events or emotions. It's what's behind it. And she came up with this phrase, what's this phrase, Chad? Positive anger. And people don't think those two things go together, but they very much go together. Let's talk about who I think was the first safety engineer. You work in electrical field first. There was a woman, and her name was Frances Perkins. You guys ever heard of Frances Perkins? She was the first secretary of labor for any president. She graduated from Mount Holyoke, and she was a nanny. She looked out. She was a nanny in Manhattan, and she saw a sewing factory on fire. And the doors were chained up top. She watched women burn to death. She went to Franklin Delano Roosevelt with her anger and said... I want to be Secretary of Labor. I never want to see that happen again. I understand peace. Here's peace, Chad. Help me change the things I can, accept the things I cannot, the wisdom of the difference. That's good. But big-time achievers sometimes let me change the things I can't accept. And it's there's got to be that behind you. 
So she goes into all these different companies and sets labor laws. How do you think she's received, especially in those days, being a woman, walking into places say, here's what we're going to do safety-wise? Her graduation speech at Mount Holyoke was about 30 seconds long, and she repeated herself constantly, remain ye steadfast, and she never came off of it. I worked with the Philadelphia Eagles when they won the Super Bowl, and when Carson Wentz got hurt, what they did was Vegas said they'll never win it. They got the longest odds. They called themselves then the underdogs, and they used paws of anger to say, let me show you. I don't think negative anger is good because I think that one of the big epidemics we have today, Chad, is offended. Everybody's touchy. I can't say anything to anybody. That's different. Right. But if you're going to take your anger and move the world, I got angry at me for about my diet since you guys saw me last, and I thought, I'm not going to stand for it anymore. And I changed. I'm a vegan now. I changed my life. If you could take anger and make a difference with it and change your life and change lives, that's good. But when it becomes destructive and it means I'm not going to benefit the world, it's not a good thing. But we've given anger, especially what I'm going to call pause of anger, a bad name. And I think that you watch a lot of the great athletes, almost every one of them, either had to prove somebody wrong or even like Michael Jordan's case, they say he created some of that that wasn't even real to prove them wrong. So a lot of those talk performers are there say, let me show you, let me prove it to you. You know, I've heard people say, never touch my Judas. I'll live just to spite them. (laughs) And so I think there's something there. You just have to know what to do with it. And we give, we've made it too simplistic, too dichotomous, too black and white. I think all of us have some anger we use in some positive way to make the world or our personal world a better place. It's funny, too, that you mentioned Michael Jordan. Chad and I were talking about this question and this concept before uh, earlier today, and we were talking about Michael Jordan and we were talking about Tom Brady. And I was saying with Brady, I'm like, he has such a chip on his shoulder I don't think the guy can ever retire because he literally used the hate and the fuel as oxygen. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. And I think sometimes they create that. I'm not so – in so many ways, Cody, we're about 500 years back. And I think we're wired to fight. (laughs) I've watched so many people like if there's not something real to fight about, they make stuff up. And I watched those guys. I almost wonder some, because I worked through Monster Energy Drink through their leadership with Gronk. Uh-huh. And it's almost like those guys wanted to go somewhere else to prove the last group of guys wrong. You know, when they said, you know, you're not going to give me a contract. We can't do it again. Watch. We'll go somewhere else and do it. And it was almost like a, hey, let me prove it and show it to you. Was there a good bit? You're right. They almost fueled it there. And when Jordan went into the Hall of Fame, he invited, you know, this old coach and the coach, oh, he's going to honor me. He brought this and his roommate at North Carolina. He brought him in and said, you told me I couldn't play. You cut me and you start in front of me. He embarrassed him. I know. I wouldn't I know. do that, but I, I think that you could see that so many of those guys create that so that they can be a winner. I don't think that's the only motivation. I don't think that's the only way people win, but people don't disclose that and lay it on the table. It's there a lot more than we think. Yeah, and, you know, there there's a fine line there, right? And th- there's times, I think, for Chad and I and, and for all of us, I mean, there's times where people that you expect – to support you are nowhere to be found, right? And and that 
ultimately, if you let it, can be hurtful. But I've come to the realization that what's meant to be, honestly, is going to happen. And I, I personally believe that. And I, and I try my best to focus on the day at hand and the controllables in my life, which are my actions, my responses, my attitude, and ultimately my effort. And I just think there is such a fine line there, but I love the concept of positive, right? Of positive anger, where we can we can use that fuel in a positive manner to move forward. Uh, my next question for you is, as an avid golf fan and a weekend golfer, um, I found this next story so intriguing. In chapter four of the book, Position or Disposition, you dive into, honestly, one of my favorite stories that I've ever heard of. Uh, I I'd certainly never heard this one about a golf course in Calcutta, India, I believe it was, uh, that was built by the British uh, during the colonial days. And I honestly, I almost saved this for myself uh, in one of the episodes of the Monday Morning Mastery I've been doing. But I figured since you own it, uh, it's only fair that you get to tell it here today. So can you tell that story about that golf course and then the key takeaways for our listeners? They did a golf course and the British put a golf course in there and they it was in the 1900s and they didn't earlier 1900s. And when they put in, they did not anticipate monkeys and so they started golfing and they didn't anticipate one monkeys they didn't anticipate monkeys would be fascinated in love with golf balls <laughs> so what they found is you'd hit a ball down the fairway monkey would jump out a tree run grab your golf ball throw it run or, or grab it and run with it and you're just sitting there looking at your like what the heck just happened so they all got together put together a committee And from the committee, they said, well, let's build, uh, let's build walls around the golf course. Well, that's not real smart. Monkeys climb. So that didn't work. So they said, let's drive all the monkeys away. That didn't work. Finally, put signs all over the golf course. Play the ball wherever the monkey drops it. You know, so what, now what? One of the best ways to do any psychological test is just listen as people speak. And you know what's the most frequent word I hear if I just listen to people today? Frustrated, especially with kids. I'm frustrated, I'm frustrated, I'm frustrated. And I just spoke to Alabama football team last Monday. And I opened up and talked about the book of Habakkuk. The whole first chapter goes, why are we doing this? Why are we going through this? Why is this happening? The second chapter opens up and says, here's your answer to all your problems. Write a vision and let everybody see it thereof. And what it's really talking about is when something happens to change, let's quit getting frustrated. Let's quit getting upset about something we can't do anything about. The position now lies different. Play it from that position and get a vision from the new position. And so when you're golfing and the, the, he just throws the ball, say, well, that's my new position. So what now what? It's moved. It's a different spot. Play it from here. Coronavirus, I'm out doing talks. The monkey came in through the ball. Now I'm doing Zooms. What's the old phrase? You can curse the darkness or light a candle. <laughs> and I think you've got to get to a point with these changes that are happening right now. You have to almost go like, so what, now what? Or another phrase I like to use is don't live in disappointment, live in new beginnings. 
judgment is our enemy. I have to judge it. What happened? No one right, no one wrong, no one bad. Play the new ball. So really good point. And the frustrations, when you talk about the frustrations, I, I got to tell you, for the listeners out there, I really wish I met Dr. Elko a number of years ago when I was in high school because your visions for victory explained to me an issue I had in high school and made it clear as day. And what Dr. Elko talks about is your mental approach to things. And I think what he's talking about here is when frustration set in, if you don't have that vision, your mental approach becomes those frustrations. And ultimately your body begins to manifest those frustrations and it snowballs. High school coming into my senior year, I had every record in the, in this, in the South Brunswick high school for pole vaulting. I was the front runner to win the state championship. I was for all intents and purposes sitting in a great position and then this young man on my own team, whole state of New Jersey, this young man on my old te- own team who was a friend, decides he wants to try to pole vault. He starts pole vaulting, and I'm working with him, and we're together, and we're a team, and he starts to get a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. All of a sudden, I start saying, what if he breaks my record? He did. Then I said, what if he becomes a state champion? He did. And what I realized is once I started to think about that, I began to go there and perform there. And it manifested itself right in front of us. And that, that kind of follows in that frustration. I want our listeners to understand how dangerous that can be to not have the right. I learned this from you. I mean, you taught me this through visions, through victory, but to not have the right mental approach and what that can do to you. And all of a sudden you think you're unlucky and everything bad happens to you. And, you know, it's the world's fault. Um, and you don't realize that you're doing it to yourself. There was a Wall Street Journal article. And it was really good and it said successful people talk different. And one of the things it talked about was they don't talk about what they don't want. They talk about what they do want. They asked Mother Teresa, come march against Vietnam. She goes, I'm not against Vietnam. I'm for peace, but I'll do that march. And I think even as we are leaders, we have to quit coming together and talking about what we don't want. And, you know, like Cody said in the intro, I'm a, um, I have a degree in coaching. And I tell coaches all the time, don't talk to your team about what you don't want. Talk to your team about what you do want. And it means everything. And the spoken language, what we talk about. I was, I've been reading lately on this research study that was done in Britain called the science of luck, that people do manifest luck in their life. and Or good fortune, I guess, should be the right thing. And they say the people who manifest good fortune, they have these high expectations. And if something bad happens, they think it's short term. For the people that are unlucky when something bad happens, they think it's long term. And we're not all the way clear and sure about how powerful those spoken words are. And we've done so much now around the coronavirus talking about what we don't want. Let's talk about health. Now, here's the challenge since you've heard vision for victory. We're really not, we're not wired, Chad, to do what you're talking about. We're really wired to do what you did because we're wired to be safe. We're not wired to constantly look out for bad because our minds, like every other organ in our body, it's constantly looking to help us survive. So we're all, we're Velcro for the bad. You have to reprogram your head over and over with the good by speaking about what you do want. Don't talk about what you don't want. Right. 
and do it constantly. Put those visions there. In my room, I have a vision board, you know, of the things that I would like to manifest this year and keep talking them and talking to other people about them and making them happen. Words are powerful. You could start a war with words in your own mind and you could start a peace and a prosperity with words. It starts in your own mind. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. And that leads me into my next question as it pertains to the book. As you know, Cody and I have made a career out of helping contractors and construction professionals become more prepared, dynamic leaders through the next academy. Many that I speak with have a strong tendency to look backwards in the face of adversity, back to the way they always did it, back to the way grandpa or mom used to run the place. And when failure, disappointment, setback, or loss happens, it makes it even harder for them to move forward because they're at times stuck in their history. You referenced the power of the word yet. This jumped out to us in the book. Um, quite frankly, it was a kind of a, a, a poignant moment in the book where you realize uh, something as simple as three letters yet. Um, and you highlight this in the book. I think that's so cool. It's so easy to trigger a move forward. What would you say to those contractors or construction professionals that have a setback and are in search of an if only or what if moment? Our brains wire real easy and everyone wants to say that our enemy is uh, fear. I don't, I don't agree with that. Our enemy is familiar. The enemy's not fear. It's familiar. You, you, you know, you, you need some fear. If I don't have some fear about my diet, I'm going to die young. If I don't have some fear about my finances, I'm going to be bankrupt. You need some, not a lot. You need some. It's familiar. And our brains wire very easy. We don't understand that. I was on a cruise with my sister and her two sons, my son, two summers ago. And her son every day would say, for sure, for sure, for sure. It was driving me nuts. I came off that cruise and I was going, for sure, for sure. We wire real easy. And our wiring gets us familiar. Are your neurons that fire together, wire together. If your brain keeps wiring a certain way over a long period of time, you're speaking and doing it, you get wired. You're, you guys are in the electrical wiring industry. You get wired. But it doesn't mean that because you have that wiring, so when you try to do something different, it's going to feel odd because you're not wired that way. We have a phrase we use at Alabama all the time, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And when you first do something that's the right way and it's different, it's going to feel odd because that's the way we wire. The word yet, I think it's powerful. And every time I close Alabama, I tell a story. And one day there was a fight on a playground. I couldn't wait for this fight. I was so bad in school. I say this all the time. Fourth grade, toughest three years of my life. <laughs> and this fight, we were waiting for this fight. Everybody wants this fight. It's the end of the day. This one boy hit another. He went down over the hill. We thought, man, that was a quick fight. We started walking back into the schoolhouse, and he came up over the hill with a tree branch. He goes, this fight's not over yet. And I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. And I didn't, you know, I, I, I've always held that like this. And I said to me, this fight's not over yet. And I actually was talking to uh, my daughter who you know, is going through some things medically. And I said to her, we don't have to go after this harder. We have to go after it different. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I think we need a specific, you're going to all these docs, you're working real hard and you believe if you fight hard, you'll get out of it. I go, I think you need to fight more specific. 
And I said, I got your, we got your blood back from the doctor. I think we need to go to a specialist. I think it, it looks like it's an autoimmune thing. I go, Claire, you can keep fighting us all you want, but we need to fight it different. And I think that we, we do these little things, fight harder, work harder. That's all good. But what if you're fighting the wrong fight? What if you're just throwing punches in the air? And I think it's like that lesson I said to my daughter. We don't need to fight harder. We need to fight different. And we think I can fight 24 hours a day and win. Well, not if you're fighting the wrong character. Right. Not if you're fighting the wrong fight. And I think you have to keep on saying, look, the future's not what it used to be. And one of my other phrases I use all the time, used to bees don't make honey. I, I think you ought to come and say, look, we're not going to fight harder. We're going to fight different. But it's not going to feel right because our brains are wired to do it the way we used to. Right. Listen, you know, I love I love that word yet. It's so powerful. Uh, I, I love it. And to Chad's point, it's it's a trigger word, right? That immediately upon saying it can turn a setback into a setup, you know, into a, a move forward, a positive emotion in the midst of what could be a negative experience. So uh, I appreciate that story. Everyone, again, go get this book. Um, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. If you love this uh, podcast, you're going to absolutely love the book. Um, I could literally talk to you for three hours uh, or, or three days. Uh, I want to thank you again for joining us today. And Coming back. I'll tell you right now. All right. I love it, man. Well, listen, so circling back around to football. Uh, which is a sincere passion of mine and Chad's uh, specifically college football. I love everything about it. And in the book and in the podcast today, you've, you've referenced Alabama's motto for the season. So what now what, and you've worked now for many years with that program. And I know you'll never admit it. So I'm going to, for you, uh, you've been a vital part of their success. And it's a it listen, it's a direct reflection on you and your consistent messaging within the organization. Um, but let, Chad was born in West Virginia. I was born in West Virginia. I lived there the majority of my life. We're both big West Virginia Mountaineer fans. And it's interesting for a small state, they have a surprisingly long lineage of great coaches. Um Dating back to Ben Schwartzwalder at Syracuse, John McKay uh, at USC, who I believe won four national championships, uh, the great Lou Holtz at Notre Dame, and a few that are at the top of their profession right now, who I know you work with, including Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M and Coach Saban at Alabama. And Coach Saban's level of sustained success is unprecedented. Uh, won yet another national title in 2020. Uh, he's won seven now as a head coach, the most in college football history. So I'd kill myself if I didn't ask you this before you went. Um, having worked with the best of the best, as you have, what separates Coach Saban from all the others? Three things. Here's the first thing. Cody and Chad, do you guys play Little League Baseball? Yeah. I, I know this. a lot of this is audio. That's a baseball plate, right? 17 inches wide. 
when you're in Little League, seven, it's 17 inches wide. If you play in high school, 17 inches wide. If you play in uh, minor league, Babe Ruth days, major league, 17 inches wide. If Chad comes to minor leagues and he's pitching and he can't get the ball over the plate, we don't go, I like Chad. Just make it 19 inches. Chad, it's 17 inches, Chad. <laughs> I can't tell you how to do it, but you got to get that ball over the plate. If not, we don't have standards any, anymore, Cody, and we change it. We're playing Notre Dame up by 25 points. Someone jumps offside. He loses his mind. It's a standard. It has not to do score. Here's the standard down there. No, no complaining. You practice with intensity. And after a mistake, you don't go into self-pity. He sets a standard. When you go below the standard, and you know what? I never watched him raise his voice one time this year. Just once. You know why? People understand that. There's a standard. Second, it's identity. The greyhound chases the rabbit because it's hungry. If it's not hungry, it won't chase the rabbit. The lion can eat Monday, can eat Tuesday. You walk from that lion west, it'll tear you up. The lion eats every day. It's its, it's its DNA. It has nothing to do with feelings. It's a choice. At Alabama, they ain't greyhounds. They're lions. It's every day. It's who you are. It's every day. And the lion isn't the tallest, it isn't the biggest, it isn't the strongest, it isn't the smartest. You know why it dominates? Attitude. The greyhound wins or loses, the, the race doesn't matter, it goes back to Kennelly bringing food. The lion brings the food back to the pride. It eats every day. If you come in there and we're up by 25 points and you're not still playing your heart out, you're acting like the greyhound, you got to deal with him. It's not worth it. <laughs> so it's three things. I love it. Standard, the lion, and we speak the language. See a little, see a lot. See a lot, see nothing. You know, uh, so what, now what? There's a language there. That's what's behind winning there. I love it, man. Well, unbelievable. Thank you so much for your time. Um, again, so humble to have you on our podcast. Look forward to our next conversation. Uh, again, where can listeners, number one, buy this great book? And then two, where can they find more about you and all the great work you do, whether that's on your website or social media, et cetera? And we'll be sure to put that information in the show notes as well. I loved it. Can I do just a little advertisement here? We have something we're excited about. It's called the 14 Challenges to the Best Year Ever. Okay. And it's, 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 it's patterned after the book. And what we do, what we do, Cody, if anybody goes to, anybody goes to drelco.com, we'll send right to you 14 videos. They're 10 minutes long. You watch them at whatever rate, 14 days in a row, 14 weeks in a row, get your group and do them. And then we have a electronic uh, virtual workbook that goes with the challenge. And people are doing it in groups, and they're loving it. If you do that challenge, we autograph and send you the book. That's yeah, because we do part. It, it really goes along with the book, the different challenges of each one. But go to DrElko.com and sign up for our 14-day challenge. And you can also get our Monday Cup of Inspiration. It goes out every Monday for free. Oh, you know, it, you know I'm on that. Yeah. You could get the book at Amazon.com. 
believing is seeing. You can get the book at booksamillion.com. That's who brought it out, out of Whitman Publishing. It's a part of their company. So you go to amazon.com or booksamillion.com. Get them either of those two places to get the, uh, to get the book. Love it. So to everyone out there, thank you for listening today. As always, I hope you found great value in today's episode. Don't be defined by yesterday. Be the best version of you today. Every day, every day is another opportunity to learn and to grow. Thank you again to Dr. Elko, to Chad, and to all of you listening. Yeah, I thought you guys were excellent. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Next Academy podcast, where we focus on construction leadership, brand growth, and staying on offense. As always, we hope you found great value in today's episode. Don't be defined by yesterday. Be the best version of you today. Every day is another opportunity to learn and grow. If you're in the construction industry or you know of someone who is, please visit our website at nextleadershipacademy.org to learn more about the Next Academy. Our registration is closed for the current year, but we'd love for you to hop on our waiting list that will allow you to be notified first when registration opens. Next is a unique 12-month training ground that is committed to helping participants become more prepared, dynamic leaders who can drive their company's sustainability and profitability into the future. If you're in search of personal and professional growth and ready to challenge yourself, you should consider Next in the future. Thank you so much for your support of these episodes, your support of what we are building at the Next Academy, and your willingness to hit that share button, that like button, and pass along this content to coworkers, friends, and family across all of the social media landscape. If we can ever help you in any way, please do not hesitate to reach out. We're always here to help, or more importantly, find you the necessary resources that can help you on your leadership journey. Please be safe and smart out there. We look forward to catching up again soon. Until then, attack the week ahead, own your life, and be next. <laughs>